But what we're what we are starting now is a sermon series called Organic Outreach. Okay, and this is about sharing the best news ever. And it's called Organic Outreach for a couple reasons. One, uh, I'm leaning into uh, kind of three books by an author, and all of them start with Organic Outreach. Organic Outreach for ordinary people, for churches. And for families. And these are books that I have read a handful of times over the last uh, probably seven or so years. And they've been really impactful in my life. And, but here's the thing that, that we're kind of looking at. Why is it organic? Okay, The idea is that God wants us to evangelize. right? He wants us to share our faith. We're going to look at some verses that talk about that. Sometimes for a lot of us, that can be a hard thing to do, okay? I don't feel like I have the gift of evangelism, one-on-one evangelism. Like, it's not very easy for me to do that, okay? And, and, and so, but we're all called to be evangelists. And so what we're going to do as we go through this is how has God wired you to share the good news with other people in a way that's natural, in a way that's organic, in a way that doesn't necessarily feel forced, but it's just part of the lifestyle of your life. And so we're going to get into that over the next couple months. And I am super excited about this as we learn together, as we challenge ourselves together. So as we jump in here, I want to look a little bit at our calling. Okay, we're going to bounce around from scriptures today. Um, So we got all the scriptures there up on the screen. But we're going to start out. What is the calling that we've received? Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Jesus came to them, to his disciples He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, this is the great commission given to the disciples, given to all of us to go and make disciples, to teach them to obey, to baptize them, to bring them in, that we are plan A for the gospel to spread around the world, and there's not a plan B. That should hit us hard, that we are plan A. Uh, the next verse that we see our calling uh, is Acts 1.8. This is where the disciples are like, Jesus, you conquered death. And you rose from the dead. Like, is it time? Are you going to set up your kingdom now? We're going to reign and rule with you. And he says, it's not for you to know the dates and the times, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he says, look... I'm going to return. I'm going to set up my kingdom. To know the exact day or the time, that's not what you have to be worried about. I'm coming. I'm faithful. I want you to be faithful in the midst. I'm calling you to be witnesses by the power of my spirit, to speak about what you've seen, heard, and experienced. We've been commissioned. We are to be witnesses. The next one from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That word reconciled, who made us to be in good and right relationship, made enemies into friends. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. This, this is the ministry. This is the message we have to declare. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting counting men's sins against them. 
That's the good news of the gospel, that your sins are not counted against you. And then he says this. So we have that message, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, his representatives. It's as if God is making his appeal through us. Do you see that, Skip Lake? God wants to make his appeal to the world through you and through me. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might You see, if we look back there, you are now entering the mission field. We've been commissioned to make disciples. We've been commissioned to be a witness, to speak and live out the things we've heard, we've seen, we've experienced. We're called to be ambassadors and representatives. We could look at it. We're called to be missionaries in our own context. That's the calling of a Christian. And that's what we're going to go through. How do we do this as we look through uh, organic outreach? So let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we're going to dig in today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the good news of the gospel. God, as we get into this study, Lord, I pray that you will strengthen us, you'll encourage us. I pray that you will give us, give us tools in our spiritual tool belt that we can use as we seek to live out our faith in front of the world that is watching, that we can have the conversation of our life, the whole manner of our life be excellent because the world is watching us, Lord God. God, will you give me words to speak? May they be your words and not mine and go out with your power. God, give us soft hearts, hearts that want to follow you. Give us a boldness, God, to speak your truth, to live your way. In your name we pray, amen. So as we're going through this study, uh, one of the things that stood out to me in this book, as we look at organic outreach, what does it mean? Okay, and Pastor Kevin Harney says this. He says, organic outreach is about living the kind of life that naturally draws people to Jesus. It involves speaking the kinds of words that you use in ordinary conversation that reveal the presence of a loving God. It means loving people in a way that's genuine. Organic outreach is all about sharing our faith in a way that's authentic, real, and feels natural to the people around us. You see, when we share our faith, we don't have to over-spiritualize everything and use all these spiritual words that the person may not understand. We can share our faith in a natural way. We can be evangelists just like that. And you know what? You know how to evangelize. I know how to evangelize. How do I know? Okay, because we are so good at sharing things that are important to us. Okay, for one... We can do something like this. Oh, I won't mess up my microphone. Now you all know what my favorite football team is. We love to share about the things that are important to us, right? I mean, how many of you, like if your son hit a home run or, or got, I mean, son hit a home run. If your son hit a home run, you didn't want to tell everybody about it. Because there was this good news that, that, that happened. Or, or how about uh, you have this mechanic that has taken good care of your car over the years. And when somebody starts talking about a need they have in their car, you're like, hey, I want you to know there's this mechanic. He takes care of me. He's trustworthy. He, 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 you know, one time I thought my transition was just completely shot. And, and, and you know what? I needed it fixed. It could have cost me a couple grand. But he found out it was just some small thing. And he fixed that. And that's all that it was. We love to share good news with people. 
If you go on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, there's all of these like, did you know there's there's easier ways to do this, different life hacks and things like that. Do, do you know that there's an easier way to cook spaghetti or an easier way to separate eggs? There's all these things that we love to share because they're important to us. Or how about maybe that story of how big the fish was that you almost caught, right? And and then uh, there, there's another one. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to take. Dad would be really proud of me for me for wearing this during the sermon, probably. My dad's from Pittsburgh, so I'm a Steeler fan through and through, and uh, I just think that people think I'm weird, but I just think I was raised right. So I even have my terrible towel here. <laughs> anyway, it's early in the season, and so we'll see what happens. But but just the other day, okay, an interesting way because we share about those things in an ordinary way, right? Okay, you see somebody walking down the road with their Steeler jersey on, or Michigan State, or U of M, or Ohio State, whatever. Like they're just showing what's important to them. Okay, that's all. When we share about recipes or things that have happened to us, we're sharing good news with people, and we can do that in normal, ordinary ways. It doesn't have to be forced. Like, I've got to share this thing. How is, how, how is my life working and moving and opening up? Oh, you're talking about football. Let me tell you about my favorite team. Uh, kind of a, a funny example for me. Okay, yesterday uh, we had some family over because we were celebrating birthday, birthdays. Uh, Hadassah had just turned two. We hadn't been able to have a birthday party for Ransom and Zoeli with my extended family. And so we were kind of celebrating all of them. And, and Stephanie and my mom and my sister, I, they were talking over here and I was over here doing something and I overheard what they were talking about, okay? And they were talking about natural deodorant, okay? That's what they're talking about because they had talked about natural things and healthcare and things like that in different ways and they were talking about somebody else that was selling this and does it work or not and they had this whole conversation going on about deodorant, which let me tell you, I don't go around to people and be like, Walt, what kind of deodorant do you wear? I don't, I don't do that. That's not the first thing I say to somebody. But they were sharing a conversation in an organic way because they had talked about different things in, from, I don't, I don't want all these extra things in my body absorbed through my skin or whatever throughout the last couple months or years. And so somebody wanted to talk about it. So they had built a relationship that that was there already organically. And while we're getting ready to roast some wars or something like that, it just came up. And you know what? It's funny, kind of. Okay, yeah. Talk about armpits in church. We don't normally do that. But if something like that can come up in an organic way, then I think for Christ followers who love Jesus and want to live our lives for them, I think our faith can show up in organic ways like that too. Yes, sometimes evangelism does sometimes start with, hey, do you know where you're going to go where you die? For some people, that's maybe what they need to hear. But for a lot of people, it's building relationship with them. And it's just being an open ear to listen what they're talking about. And as they share things about their life and what they're going through, and as you share things about your life and how God helps you through things, like you're a Christian, you can share about how God helps you get through life. Do it! We can share our faith in a natural, organic way. And so that's what we're going to be digging into uh, over the next couple months. How do we do that? What are ways that we can help help steer conversations in a way? How can we be open to how the Holy Spirit is moving? Because get this, you're not the first witness. I hate to break it to you. None of us are the first witness. The Holy Spirit's the first witness. 
He's always working. He's always moving. How do we join him in his work? So I'm really excited to get into this as we look at, because you know what, guess what? We don't all have the gift of evangelism, okay? We don't, okay? We're all called to be evangelists. We don't all have the gift of giving, but that doesn't mean that if we don't have the gift of giving, we say, I can just live a stingy life. Who cares? No, no, we're called to be generous in the gift. But you see, God wants to help. We're all wired differently. We have different personalities. We're introverts, we're extroverts, we're bold or we're timid. God, God can use each and every one of us because there's people that need your approach in the life that you have that that's going to be the thing that God uses to help them see the truth, that there is a God there who loves them so much. And we live in a world that is desperate for good news and we are good news bearers. So we know how to evangelize. We do. So now it's saying, in those ways where I talk about the things that are important to me, how do I do that intentionally, prayerfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus is the most important thing in my life. That's a challenge for this this sermon series. So, the first part is preparing our hearts. We're using that organic kind of metaphor so if you're planting a garden, okay, you, you can get the right seeds, you can have the water, you can have all that, but if you plant it in soil that is bad, it's not going to grow. I don't care how good your seeds are, I don't care how much you water it, if there's no nutrients in the soil, it's not going to grow. And, and when I first read this book, I was like preparing the soil. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like the sower and the seed, right? We want their hearts to be prepared. And as I read it, it's like, my heart has to be prepared. I need to be transformed into the person that is living this out to share it. So how do we have our hearts prepared to share the good news? Well, in three main ways, okay? We are going to be looking at the awesome love of God, the amazing grace of God, and the unwavering truth of God's word. So today we're going to focus, first of all, on the awesome love of God. A lot of you know this verse, okay? It was the first verse that Fern memorized. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved and that's why he gave Jesus so that we wouldn't have to die separate from him. We could have eternal life. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You see, it was God's amazing love that compelled him to save us. Yes, from the very beginning, you know, Jesus was set apart from before time. He's going to be the the, the son, the lamb of God to save us from the very beginning of time. That came out of the father's heartbeat of love. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He wants to save us. He'll do whatever it takes to Make a way. It's kind of like this story that Kevin shares about in his book. He says, one time I was at this uh, movie theater. And he says, I often play with my wedding ring. And in the middle of the movie, I'm playing with it and falls off my finger. Tink, 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 roll. And he's like, oh. Now, the ring was just like a gold band, okay? It wasn't super expensive. It didn't have all the bling and the diamonds that the lady has. But this was the ring that his wife had put on his finger. It was important to him. It was valuable to him. So his, that value he attached to that ring because of his relationship with his wife compelled him to try to find it. Now, I don't know about you, the last time you've been to a movie theater, but I know there's been sometimes I've been there where like when I try to get out of my seat and I stand up and it's like, 
Anybody ever been there? Okay, spilled soda, popcorn. This guy is on his hands and knees feeling around in the dark in the middle of the movie trying to find his ring because of his love for his wife. His love caused him to do things he wouldn't normally do, stick his hands in places he wouldn't normally. Well, he got a couple rows ahead and didn't find it. And he's like, maybe it fell in between some of the seats. The places that he had decided, I'm not going to look first because of what could be there. So he went back and he's taking his hands in between the seats and all the nooks and crannies to try to find it. And he found it. And he gets done. And you can just imagine probably how sticky his hands were and everything like that. But it was his love for his wife that compelled him to do that. Now, that's kind of a, a silly example, so to speak. But if we can take that and extrapolate it out to Christ... Christ didn't have to leave the glory of heaven, the perfectness of heaven, to come here to the earth. In, in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about this, okay? Jesus is God. He has equality with God. So Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to, or to cling to, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We read in the book of First Peter that we are not redeemed as Christians by gold or silver or any of those things that the world calls precious. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the value you have to God. The blood of Jesus. And so we want the, our hearts to be prepared to, to be a witness we want to let that love sink down into us. That we receive that love every day. That we realize just how valuable we are, not because of anything we've done or will do, but because God simply chooses to love us with a love that knows no bounds, pushes through anything. There's a song that was written about that says that God has this reckless kind of love. And that doesn't mean reckless like he doesn't think about it, but Jesus coming to die knowing that people will, people will reject him. That kind of reckless. I'm putting myself out there. Many people will be saved. Many people still won't. It's worth it. That's that kind of love. And God wants that love to beat in our hearts because the people that you see, that I see, that live around us, they are loved with that same kind of love. They are worth just as much as you and me. They're worth the blood of Jesus Christ. And the love that compelled Christ to go to the cross wasn't because we were so lovely. What does it say in Romans chapter 5? You see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, we had no strength, nothing in us that was lovely. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that God has for you. That's the love that he wants to put in our hearts for those that we, we encounter every day. He died for them. His heart beats, love them, love them, love them. And he wants our heart to beat with that kind of love. You see, we see this in Jesus. He said this in Luke chapter 19. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus was willing to go to the nooks and crannies of the dirty, yucky theater seats or we could extrapolate to the horrors of the cross for the joy set before him because he knew he would save people like you and me. And you see, when we let God put that love into us, it's costly. It costs Jesus. It will cost us. It's worth it. We're called to go into those 
nooks and crannies of the theater seats out of the love that Christ has for us and for the world. You see, Jesus had this love that compelled him to action. In Matthew 9, it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And get this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You see, we've, we've talked about this word before. That word for he had compassion, it's one of my favorite words in Greek. It's splagnitsomai, okay? It is the idea, splagnitsomai, okay? It's one of my favorite words in Greek, okay? It means from the gut. It's when you have this compassion that hits you, and it compels you to action. It's the same compassion that the good Samaritan had when he saw the man who was beaten and left for dead. His splagnitsomai compelled him to action. It's the same word that's used that when, when the widow from Nain, when they're carrying her son who had died out, Jesus feels that and he goes there and he raises the son from the dead. He looked at the crowds and he saw they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and he had splagnitsomai for them and he gave them the good news and he healed them and he said, pray for more workers because the harvest is there and plentiful but the workers are few. That splagnitsomai is what God wants to put in us. It's that splagnitsomai that compelled Christ to go to the cross. And that God wants to have in our hearts that compels us to reach out to those that are around us with the best news ever. So if we want our hearts to, if we want to prepare our hearts, then we want to grow in God's love. What are some ways that we can do that? Here's some challenges. Pray. Ask God to give you a heart like Christ. God, give me your love for the people that are around me. God, will you help me to notice and connect with people who are far from God? There's people who are far from God everywhere, across the world and across the street. God, will you help me to love this person like you do? Holy Spirit, will you draw this person to yourself? Will you soften their heart and reveal yourself to them? These are great things that we can do. And as we do this, as we pray this, God works and moves in other people and he works in our heart too. So the first part of preparing our heart is about letting God's love settle in us. Marinate in his love and let that become ours to the world. The second part about preparing our hearts is is God's amazing grace. When we talk about grace, grace is a free gift, okay? The word in Greek has this idea of leaning forward in favor. It's God's posture of favor and love and kindness to people who don't deserve it. And in fact, not that they just don't deserve it, but they deserve the opposite of it. It's not just that we don't deserve heaven, we deserve hell and death, and yet God in his grace gives us mercy, forgiveness, and new life with him. Paul talks about this in Titus chapter 3. He says, but when the kindness and love of God appeared. He doesn't use the word for grace, but kindness and love. Like that's a good definition of God's grace, his favor. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things we've done. You don't go to heaven because you're good enough. And that's news the world needs to hear because nobody's good enough. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, made just as if we had never sinned. That's what that word justified means. Just as if we had never sinned by his grace, his favor that we never earned, we can't earn. We might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. That inheritance that's kept for us 
that Peter talks about. We want to let God's grace settle deep within us so that we can be a grace bearer to the world. When we talk about grace, we're kind of, there's three words that kind of all go together. Justice, mercy, and grace. Justice is getting what we deserve, right? Okay, We have a judge back here. Justice, you get what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. There's another story that Pastor Kevin shares uh, that I think is really a powerful illustration of grace. So before I get to the story, anybody, do we have any like car buffs here? Anybody that has a car that they would love to own or maybe they do own a really cool car? Anybody? Or am I going to... Okay, Walt, what's your... What's the car? 64 Corvair. A 64 what? Corvair. A 64 Corvair, okay. And what, what color would you want it to be? Or what color is it? Maroon. Maroon. So let's say I have this 64, is that what you said? 64 Cor- Corvair. And it's red. Okay, I like red. Red, orange, that's probably what, if I ever had a sports car, that's probably what it would be. And I have that car, and it's parked outside the restaurant. Okay? And I've just got done eating. Good fellowship, good food, good times. Life is good, everything is great. And I walk out there, and I see, I see a, a teen next to my car, keys in his hand, paint flakes coming off, because ah, he's keen, my 64 Corvair you can imagine that the happiness and the, and the good food and fellowship has just gone right out the window, right? Justice is approaching that kid. Hey, what are you doing? Maybe calling the cops, filing a report, all that. He gets in trouble. That's justice. We love justice when it's somebody else. Okay, when we're driving down the road and we see the, siren, the lights behind us, sirens, we look down, we are going 20 miles over, we get pulled over, okay? We don't go, I demand you give me justice. Give me what I deserve. We want mercy, right? Mercy would be, you don't get the ticket. Okay, the police officer pulls you over, gives you a warning, you deserve a ticket, you don't get the ticket. Mercy would be me going up to that, to that young man and, and saying, hey, how about you just how about you just go? Okay, don't do this again. We're just gonna you're off the hook and you can go. That's mercy. Grace is here. You can have the car, son. It's your car. And you know what? Here, okay, I have the title, I'll get that for you. Now you don't really want my car, but you that car. <laughs> okay, but get this. You can have the car. If you, want, if you want to fix the damage you've done, send me the bill. I'll pay for it. The car is yours. Now, does that blow your mind? That's grace. No, I'm going to take that back because I need to drive home today. <laughs> That's grace. And that blows our mind because we're like, what, would somebody actually give their car away? I mean, just give their car away. But give their car away to a kid, a punk, right? That was just keying their car. But that's us. We've defaced the glory of God. That's what our sin does. And he doesn't just give us mercy and say, hey, just go on. You're not going to get the punishment. He died in your place and mine, even though we're the ones holding the key, so to speak, defacing the glory of God. He gives us something way better than a 64 Corvair. He gives us his spirit, to live inside of us. He gives us an inheritance that will never go away. He says that he will protect us until we receive that inheritance, even in the midst of tragedy or calamity. That's what grace is. It's mind-blowing. The world does not understand it, especially in this cancel culture we live in. 
Somebody does one thing wrong and it's like delete them, cancel them, throw them away. That is not Jesus. Yes, when he, he go and sin no more. There's that there, okay? There's walk in the good news, walk in goodness, walk in holiness. But if God was all about cancel culture, we'd all be in trouble, right? That's the grace of God. And God wants us, as we prepare our hearts to share the good news, we want to marinate in that grace. Because you see, God's justice was met in Jesus. Justice happened. Your sins were put on Jesus and he died in your place. And when you believe in him, mercy and grace are held out to you and me. Justice was met in Jesus. God's mercy means that there is no more condemnation. We already read this verse. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. God's mercy means we don't have that condemnation that sin. The Bible says that the written code, the law that was against us, was nailed to the cross, paid in full. It is finished. And God's grace gives us God's perfection. Better than a 64 Corvair. God's righteousness. God's spirit, God's perfection. Even more about grace. No condemnation, period. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses your conscience from acts that lead to death so you may serve the living God. Christ himself is now interceding before you, uh, before God for you, praying for you and for me. God's spirit lives within you to strengthen you. Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what God's grace is. And when we let his love and his grace get in our hearts, we see just how good the good news is. And that helps prepare our hearts to share it, finally. All right, so we need to drink in God's amazing grace every day. Let God's grace flow in you every day to realize just how loved you are. So God's love and God's grace, as we let that get in us, that helps prepare our soil to share. And the final thing is embracing the truth of God's word. Because we have this really, really good news. Because on the flip side of it is really, really bad, horrible news. Everybody sins. We all miss the mark. We all need a Savior. That's in the Scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's the only way. He accomplished it through his death and resurrection. People are lost apart from Jesus. That is truth. And we let the love of God, the grace of God, and the truth... That people without Christ are lost. And there's an eternity there. C.S. Lewis said, you have never met a mere mortal. Everybody will stand before God someday in judgment. Everybody. Everybody we meet will spend eternity in heaven or hell. Jesus preached more about hell than he did about heaven. And he wasn't trying to just scare people and things like that. But hell's a reality. And when we let the love of God and the grace of God in our hearts and the truth that this really matters, that's how our heart is prepared to share. Because we don't just have awesome news. It's salvation from something really, really bad and horrible. You can uh, YouTube, uh, Penn Teller gets a Bible if you want to. I don't know if you know Penn Teller. He's a... A, a very adamant atheist. He does like uh, illusionists and, and um, magic and stuff like that. 
And he talks about a time that he got a Bible from somebody. And he said, you know what? Like this, this man, when he gave me the Bible, he knew I was an atheist, but he was, he was just, he was real. He wasn't, he wasn't fake. And he was, he, he just, he cared about me. And he's just talking about it. He's like, I'm, I, in the midst of the story, he says, I'm still an atheist. This guy giving me a Bible, being very sincere, didn't change my beliefs. But he said, you know what? Sometimes atheists say, like, don't proselytize. You shouldn't share your faith with me. He said, no, 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 no. And this is from the words of an atheist. He said, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them that something bad is going to happen? He said, like, if a truck is coming at you, there's a time where I push you out of the way. And this is more important than it. That's what he said. You can Google that, YouTube the video, watch it. We're called to be witnesses, ambassadors, and missionaries. Our heart is prepared as we let the love of God, the grace of God, filter in us and saturate us. And as we remember the truth, the inheritance that is coming for us. As we remember that everybody we see, no one is a mere mortal. We will all spend eternity somewhere. And we feel that. And we should. You are not the one that makes somebody accept Christ or not. The Holy Spirit works and moves. But he works and moves through us. And so that's what we're going to be digging into in this sermon series. How do we do this? Because guess what? Last verse for today. Romans 10. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, you declare with your mouth. That's what Easton and Journey did. They declared their faith. That Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it, it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's your mouth that you confess or save. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What an awesome promise. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise the Lord. That's good news. How then can they call on one they've not believed in? How can they believe in one who they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Skip like Bible church. We are sent. We're the people that are supposed to have the beautiful feet. Missionaries in our own spheres of influence. With the love of God, the grace of God, the truth of God's word in our hearts, God wants to use us to share his good news. So what does all of this mean for us? This week, two things. I encourage you to drink deeply of God's love and grace. When you wake up every morning, remind yourself of God's love and grace that is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There's a great verse, I think it's in Lamentations. It talks about because it's because of God's loving kindness that we are not consumed. Great is your faithfulness. Remind yourselves of that. Remind yourself of what you are worth to God. The blood of Jesus Christ. Let that settle in you and let the truth of God settle in you so your heart is prepared to share the good news when a time comes up. And then finally, pray. Ask God, what do you pray about? Ask God to give you his heart of love. Ask him to reveal more of his love to you. Ask him to reveal more of his grace to you. Ask him to show you people in your life that you know that are far from him. Ask him to help you notice them. Ask for opportunities to share your faith. Again, I I am learning this alongside of all of us, okay? This is something I want to grow in, okay? And it was just interesting. Last week I was listening uh, to this book as I was driving around. And so the idea of, of reaching out in evangelism was something I was reading through every day. And I began to pray more about it. Like, God, will you provide opportunities? And you know what? He did. 
He provided an opportunity that I was visiting with somebody, somebody else was there, and they just had all these questions. And I didn't, I didn't have to do anything. They just were asking me questions, and I just gave answers as I had. When we pray, God's going to work and God's going to move. So let's pray, and we'll close up our, our service with a song. God, I am so thankful that your love compels you to save a sinner like me. And God, I ask that you will give us hearts that beat with your love, with your compassion, with your grace. God, help us to live out our faith in front of the world that is watching. God, will you provide opportunities even this week for us just to share about you with somebody, whether that's how you're helping us through the day or the week or the blessings we have or just anything that, that brings you glory and just opens a door of conversation, Lord. God, I pray for those that we know that are far from you, that you will work in their hearts to soften their hearts, that they will see how much you love them, they'll see their need for you to save them. And God, I pray that you will bring them to the place where they can put their faith in you. God, we love you and we worship you. God, we pray for the missionaries we support around the world. God, we pray that you will strengthen them and encourage them as they live out the missionary life there where they're at. And will you help us to live the missionary life here? In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.